0: Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. Welcome to the latest episode of The Curious Capitalist. Now, this week, I'm joined by Glenn McDermott. Now, Glenn is the Executive Director of Conscious Capitalism Connecticut, and he's gonna be speaking with Stefan Itterborn, the founder and CEO of Cake. Now, Cake is exciting, always exciting, but I'm particularly excited about this because since founding in 2016, experienced entrepreneur Stefan has had a goal to create electric motorcycles that would combine excitement and responsibility whilst inspiring the shift to zero emission society. Nothing wrong with that. Since the launch of their first bike in 2018, Cake has received lots of awards and accolades, and they now have an awesome range of bike options with striking designs. Now, both Glenn and I are super excited about the, the drive for net zero and especially electric bikes. So let's find out more on this episode of The Curious Capitalist. Glenn Stefan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, thank you. Thanks for the intro Claire and Stefan, for having us today all the way from Stockholm. I'm a big fan of Ride Cake for many years, I didn't realise that was such a young thing that we share which is even more profound given your successes, so tell us a little bit about you and how you got to this point in
2: your career. Well, speaking about cake specifically, it's it's kind of interesting, as I'm not the typical motorcycling geek, I'm rather the guy who puts my finger up in the air when there's a Ducati passing by in the street. I'm like, uh, get out of here, you're disturbing. So there was nothing drawing me (laughs) to motorbikes, basically. But in my previous business, a company named Coq, with a mission of saving lives and reducing consequences of accidents. For gravity sports athletes, we always exhibited at the big trade show, sports trade show, ISPO in Munich. And I ran into an electric motorbike for the first time maybe 10 years ago. Immediately kind of shouted at me, hey, get me, ride me. And I was kind of excited about the fact that I could get out there exploring without disturbing due to the fact that there's not really any noise. And the fact that it was not polluting so without any intention of starting a business i got one of those bikes and a few summers later i realized i had 15 electric motorbikes at my country house <laughs> and uh, again no aspiration of starting a business but having been in product development and starting businesses throughout my career my life i began to look at how these were constituted made and so forth. And, I realized that I would do it differently. And that happens in conjunction with a general transition in society. When it comes to transportation in general, the boom is beginning to happen right now when it comes to electric as well as two-wheelers taking a, a larger chunk of the actual transportation space and competing with cars in urban environments to a large extent and this is going to accelerate going forward and the combination of you know developing a more accurate product between chassis and the electric drivetrain to what was going on at the time together with this market and all together being able to embrace the purpose of actually inspiring towards zero emission an obligation that we all share from different perspectives and in this case there's a fragment of good that i can bring among the uh, all of us that need to bring you know we all need to bring something in this change going forward and this is how i'm investing my time to inspire and do good at this point in
1: life yeah of course sustainability is a key point as we head into the uncertainty around climate change and everything you know i'm originally from australia and i happened to spend a lot of time on two wheels as a kid and continue following in my life and it's been a two wheels has just me with an incredible source of adventure and inspiration and excitement and there's a vulnerability around that too which makes it a more interesting mode of transport but all that stuff put aside now as a human race we are faced with enormous enormous challenges around sustainability and climate change and of course this makes a product like yours much global scale and I really enjoy how Cake have sort of adopted a little bit of a quirky Scandinavian design into your products, which gives them a sort of standalone look and feel. They're not like anything else. They don't look like anything else out there. So you have the benefit of having a a very recognizable brand. Tell us a little bit about the higher purpose within Cake and how you bring that together with your whole team.
2: I think that throughout my career, I started somewhere between seven and 10 companies. A common denominator has always been purpose. My previous business talk again saving lives and reducing consequences of accidents and in this case inspiring towards zero emission. and i'd say that from my perspective the biggest challenge against sustainability from an environmental perspective is actually our pace of consumption we buy too much crap too often that ends up being garbage before we know it so, in this case, what we try and do is basically, aside, we would never pound a chest saying, hey, look at us, we're electric and therefore we're sustainable. That's just how things will go, develop going forward, which is good. In that case, we do everything we can to extend life cycles. And that's for environmental and commercial reasons too. And it's beautiful to do something that actually combines those two aspects that most people would consider being opposites. in this case we work from four main pillars which is basically purpose innovation performance and physical quality and those four parameters in combination support our ability to extend the life cycle of our bikes and a short comment to what you just brought up glenn speaking i've come to love riding motorcycles too so i think that's a must if you get the energy needed trying to achieve what we're trying to do here the combination again between values and passion And from that perspective, I would say that the joy, and and you brought that up in the beginning, Claire, when you kind of introduced me with the combination of excitement and responsibility, potentially in most people's eyes, a contradiction, but there is that opportunity and Getting into this business, not being a motorcyclist from the beginning, I think that I came in without the do's and don'ts that comes with anyone who's in a specific trade or in a specific space. So we could actually promote the idea of trying to develop a new category that I, we might be talking a bit to during this chat, but also bring a new typology I was not like burdened or restrained by you need to put something that looks like gasoline tank somewhere, or that has not been tried, or that has been tried before and you cannot do it. So it was like a, a fresh sheet of paper, blank paper, where we kind of brought our ideas without that kind of legacy of the do's and don'ts. And we brought the typology that supports, and I would say, sorry if I'm babbling on here, but I'd say that what I did not like from an outside perspective when it comes to the motorcycle culture is that it's all macho, rory, Complicated, excluding. Yes. Yeah. And we want to promote inclusiveness, easiness, crispness, uh, you know, cleanliness of things. So I think that what we actually would direct us in the process of establishing whatever the cake typology might be, it's pretty much the opposite of what motorcycling culture has been.
1: It's a great opportunity. It's an industry that, as you said, is established in the sort of macho, loud, exhaust Harley Davison writing, very much male dominated, orientated culture cycling, which Mm. exists probably globally, definitely here in the U.S. with brands like Harley-Davidson they've definitely built their legacy around that. And they're having a pretty awkward time from a branding perspective to try and shift their product alignment or assortment into their electric range. That's where the disruptor, you have some advantage in, like you said, approaching this product from a canvas point of view. There's no habit of putting a gas tank where it used to be, uh, which I think establish not only the product design, but also the product life cycle that you were referring to. Tell us a little bit about the sort of environmental impact of your product life cycle.
2: So basically, I would say starting from square one, one of the important aspects when it comes to sustainability and our need to take action from a number of different perspectives, that also connects to another contradiction, which is patience, because we are not going to be able to change everything from one day to another. We need to plan and we need to have a clear path on how to improve our way forward. And I would say that as we started this business we started manufacturing everything in Taiwan and the reason for being in Taiwan is that 40 years ago Taiwan used to be a, a cheap labor country and all of the two-wheel, two-wheeler 2 manufacturers whether they were bicycles or moped or, or motorcycle manufacturers went to Taiwan. Since then they've developed enormous skills in terms of actually making this stuff at high quality. On our side to be able to move as quick as we needed to move To get into the market to actually start announcing what we were trying to achieve, Taiwan became a natural choice for us. That said, it's not our way forward forever because as of now we've established an assembly manufacturing for Europe, we're doing the same thing for North America, doing H1 next year, and we're sticking to a facility in Taichung in Taiwan to support the Asian market as we start tapping in there in 2023. What I'm saying is basically that we need to shorten shipments and distribution distances and be able to vertically manufacture as much as we possibly can, much closer to our markets. So that's one thing we're doing. At the same time, we have wonderful projects going on together with Vattenfall, which is one of the, uh, the big power companies here in Northern, Northern Europe, which is basically doing the first fossil-free, I'd say, vehicle, actually, as close as we can get. Because again, 100% fossil-free is totally import- impossible. Just by being human beings, you'll never get to that point. But if we can reach 74 or 83 or even 94% in terms of getting closer to that target, that's what we're aiming towards. And that is to be launched in 2025. And that means that we're turning every screw and bolt on the bike to make sure that we find the material needed as close to ourselves. And and then using clean energy for, you know, the making and the manufacturing and everything. So it's a number of different initiatives and there's more to it than just that. But I think that there's too much greenwashing going on. We need to be transparent about our shortcomings and be clear about the fact that, uh, you know, we're far from being perfect. I'd say it's just as bad driving or riding a, an electric vehicle today as it is riding or driving a gasoline vehicle. But in 10 years from now, it's going to be a hell of a difference because there's so much going on in terms of development, improvements, innovation and so forth. So being a part of this movement and being able to accelerate that and showing what works and what does not work is important. And this Butterfly project, for instance, doing the first as fossil-free as possible bike is also a project that we will start you know, sharing from August this summer. And it's going to be run as an open source project. So all our findings will actually be officially communicated. On an ongoing basis, what we succeed with and what we not, you know, succeed in actually dealing with. So, wow. again, doing good, being transparent, avoiding shortcutting and cheating is, is crucial. And I think that even though the, the market is, or I'd say, business is cynical at times, I think there is an opportunity together with general obligation and must to actually improve faster than what we believe. But again, it's not from one day to another pursuit. It's going to take a lot of commitment and perseverance.
0: It sounds like a very long-term project for sure. So I just want to pick up on something you said, and it really resonated with me, is that I have never ridden a motorcycle. Truth, I never have. I've been on the back of a few, which is a bit scary and a bit hairy. I am genuinely so excited about electric bikes, I cannot tell you. Electric motorcycles, and for a few reasons. Number one is the environmental impact. Number two is to be silent. I can't bear, much like you, Stefan, noisy motorbikes drive me crazy. They invade my environment and have a negative impact on me. And there's things like the... um, I've been reading about it because I've not had the pleasure of jumping on one of these yet, but the lack of vibration, so the smoothness of the ride and the talkiness of them. These things fly. Let's have it right. I mean, when you think of an electric bike, I I can't, you know... I guess there's like... um, Not a stigma because it's not that old, but a feeling that perhaps these are less than their petrol big brothers. But the reality is the distribution of the power these things are quick they can be super yeah. quick so uh, i'm very excited of not burning myself on an exhaust pipe as well by the way because uh, i have yeah. done that a few times Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure it's a key point because you're talking about market share and if we can just use yeah. as an yeah. example of the women potential women in population there are so yeah. few women that are yeah. motorcycles in it one of the reasons that claire just said and and User experience on electric is completely obvious in its silent vibration-free world. And, and I think that was a big market opportunity yeah. for brands like Cake because they can appeal very much to the women potential riders. And particularly when it comes, you know, the urban ability. We live in the US, it's a big country, highways everywhere, big trucks, big everything. I mean, the average footprint of a car parking space here is about eight feet wide because that's <laughs> the size of most most cars, you know. And when I go to Europe and particularly cities like Stockholm and Amsterdam that are much more two-wheel friendly, the, the whole tone of the urban environment becomes quieter and more intimate and you can smell the flowers you can talk to one another and you're not continuously harassed by these flying machines and that's i think one of the biggest things that i miss about this country is that much of a car centric culture i mean this is where they were born designed so much of the american culture is built not only on the fact that it's a big country so you kind of need one but they're corporate and car manufacturers and so on when i moved here i felt like it was much of a cycling culture. And when I go to other countries, I'm realizing that that's still true. No so surprise, of course, that in Scandinavia, companies or brands like this are born because of your cycling tradition. And also, the Scandinavians are also famous for their beliefs around sustainability and so on. So I'm not surprised that things are lining up for you at Cake and will set you up well in the future. But I wanted to ask you about the anti poaching piece. Something that really got my eye because I'm a staunch sort of animal rights believer, and and so when I see animals getting killed in South Africa, I'm on my ears, and and I love projects to support the anti-poaching movement in. South africa tell me about why and how that works
2: and i really would like us to get back to uh the, the topic uh, topic of urban transportation later on but i'll start by talking to the african initiative so what happened was that i had this friend nowadays it was an acquaintance mutual friends with someone else that rang me up and said hey stefan i have heard that you're doing these off-road motorcycles electric ones i'd love to ride one and i invited him to my country house So um, Anton Straberg is his name. He came along, we had a ride. And uh, after we had had that ride, he was like, this is amazing, Stefan. So uh, I don't know if you know about this, but I'm an African hobbyist. And I was like, all right, tell me what's that? I'm into conservation, I'm into anything that related to the issues and challenges of wildlife and imperialism of the African continent. So that said, he told me that there are motorcycles being used for anti poaching in Africa. But the problem is that they run on gasoline, of course, and uh, there are two main uh, issues with that. One is that those bikes, they're kept in the fields, so they need to either fly in the gasoline with helicopters or truck it in. The next thing is that they're super noisy. So when the poachers, you know, they hear these motorbikes like 45 minutes away. So they're like, hey guys, time to, to pack it up. They're gonna be here in, in, in 45 minutes. So the level of efficiency was zero basically. Yeah. And he said that, Stefan, think about the opportunity of making a bike based on the count platform, which is one of our platforms that would silently sneak up on these poachers to actually bust the guys and not just have them leave before you you know, you arrive. And that was one thing. The other thing was that he asked me, do you think there is an opportunity of actually having a solar powered charging system that would be kind of mobile? And I was like, yeah, let's speak to our friends at Gold Sierra in America. They're into <laughs> solar power and we could potentially you know start developing a version of the bike which is going to take the challenges of africa which is mud dust heat and whatever so we started that for internally while internally while at the same time addressing the guys in, in in america you know asking them Do you think that you could provide us with something smallish on wheels that will be kept in the kind of you know the base camp and then we're doubling the battery kind of uh, availability being able to charge on a daily basis and keep this this fleet anti poachers running so said and done we just made that happen and these days we have uh you know we actually had a superb partner in africa which is the southern african wildlife college and that's the college where they train these rangers so the combination between doing uh, R&D with these guys in the field and doing good, chasing down the, the poachers and just another angle of, of that we could never, and I can tell you, that we would never, ever have come up with this idea ourselves. It's like a bird is flying by and you catch it, you know, on the fly. And this was one of those situations where I was like, we need to make this happen now. I cannot resist because it makes perfect sense. Sun of you know, availability, doing good, innovation a lick in the field of the most, you know, unlikely environment, being Africa yeah. here. A perfect combination of wonderful aspects coming together. So that's the story.
0: Love that. I love that. Saving animals one motorbike at a time. That's just yeah. awesome. It's a perfect solution. It's absolutely yeah. perfection. I would love to see that grow and develop more so into other areas as well. The Curious Capitalist podcast on behalf of the Conscious Capitalism Connecticut chapter is created and produced by Red Rock Branding. If you are enjoying this episode... Please subscribe to and share this podcast today. How has the development for the solar panel system gone? Well, it was basically, we
2: left, we left that. What, what that is, is basically that there's a power station on wheels and then there are two panels. The beauty with it, you know, and this is again, worthwhile mentioning. I mean, when it comes to fossil free energy, I think a two wheeled motorized vehicle is the perfect choice because there is very little resistance in terms of aerodynamics and rolling resistance. You don't need that much batteries. And this was the whole concept when I started, because what I did was that instead of just adding on battery cells to current sizing and geometry of of motorbikes, they end up being super heavy and you need tons of battery cells to make them perform. Mm -hmm. My take when I started CAKE was basically, let's go in the, the opposite direction. Let's make the bike as light as possible to reduce the number of battery cells needed. And that said, we need less energy to charge our bikes. And a bike, a two-wheeler itself, as a being the perfect vessel, needs less power. So in this case, with two solar panels, you can charge these bikes and they can run for four and a half hours. They get to 100 kph per hour, 65 miles per hour with the amazing <laughs> torque and whatever comes with that. If that same thing had been a truck or a car, we would have, have needed 50 solar panels. Yeah. I mean, the efficiency of a two-wheeler in the sense is beyond anything else.
0: And that efficiency is also carried over into what we were talking about within the urban environment. Tell me a yeah. little bit about your take on changing the face of urban transportation. Yeah.
2: So basically, getting back to our initial, you know, extending lifecycle concept, People would, you know, ask me why. How come you start with, you know, the off-road bikes? There's no real market in that. Well, there's a market, and we can, you know, uh, initiate things like in Africa and so forth, which is amazing. But more important is that to be able to have a credible and a confident approach to durability, we need to have bikes that jumps 90 feet and, you know, would do a double flip or whatever, because that's then later being implemented in our urban everyday, you know, vessels to be used by anyone, whether it's for commercial or just for commuting. For me, that's super important to continue developing durable, high-performance bikes for us to understand and being trained and learn and implement. So on the urban side of things, things are happening at high pace right now. If we had this discussion six months ago, and this is specifically Europe because the US is, I guess, 24 to 36 months behind, and there's also a different constitution in terms of how cities have been designed and the infrastructure is built and all that. But what's happening in Europe now is really interesting. So six months ago, I would have said that our business to business customer is a short haul urban transportation company with the sustainability-oriented perspective. Today, I would say, unless that same company has a fossil-free solution for the short-haul urban transportation within, let's say, 24 months from now, they will be out of business. Because what used to be visions and values, until recently, has now become lawmaking and regulations. So Paris ahead, banning cars from the inner city, Berlin following, Barcelona following, Holland decided six weeks ago that they're banning cars In total from the city, meaning that if you're a carpenter or a plumber and needing to change pipes for Mrs. Cruyff, there's no chance to bring your truck and your toolbox and your pipes. You need to park your truck outside the city and then change means of transportation, bring your toolbox and the pipes for Mrs. Cruyff and get it you know make it happen same wow. thing goes for anything else which is you know whether it's parcels or whatever so yeah. we can see how the profile the character of sales in our you know business has changed dramatically where instead of just converting uh sales one by one we're now getting orders of 12 and 24 and 36 from the yeah. different urban related needs basically around Europe primarily
0: as you're speaking it's reminding me of the pictures that came out during covid of venice and the canals of Venice, yeah, so literally, that they were given a break because people weren't traveling there and polluting there. Uh-huh. And the water turned blue. I've just got this image in my head of what are those cities going to look like in 10 15 years' yeah. time once they've implemented yeah. this? It's, it's exciting times, really exciting
1: yeah. times, yeah, yeah, truly. You're ahead of us in the sense the legislation requiring, I don't think there are any US cities that are in that direction. Um, It could be a while for that to take effect. They've been talking about it in New York for some time. It's, It's a city that still continues to be sort of ruled by the car and there's a tremendous cost to that
2: but i think in america at this point there are certain clusters in california there is portland there is seattle there are a few spots where i think this will actually occur before we know it so but we'll see but i agree with you it's it's a different story and america is a continent it's not a country Now, i mean this this was my outside european perspective on, on, on something but
0: Hey, listen, I was European once. I know I'm a Brit and Brexit and everything, but I'm a European in my heart, Stefan. I'm still with you.
1: (laughs) You could describe the sort of culture that you've created. Every business has its own beliefs and things like that, but given your... the Building them, does that create a a specific sort of thumbprint in terms of the culture of the organisation? I
2: think that we grow fast, which is always a challenge, because there is this pace of recruiting people where uh, I would wish for a more kind of patient to to have more time making sure that we actually have perfectly chiseled the organization this is what makes me a bit nervous what makes me super happy is also pace even though it's frustrating at times which is basically moving super fast sharing a common perspective and a target and uh, you know visualizing that and supporting it winning together and losing together and uh, you know being able to learn from those mistakes and you know keep on learning in a shared value direction. But I think that the honest answer would be is everyone within the organization as committed to the the concept and, and the need for accelerating sustainable solutions, I'd say to 70%, and I wish it was 100%. And I'm not going to point at any one specific, but it's what makes me, doesn't come as a surprise, but I think that we need to work being a fast growing organization that the need for culture and for cultural kind of positive contagion is something that we are working on. I think culture is crucial in an organization like this. And maybe it's, you you cannot expect more than a 70% commitment. I'm a bit blurry when I respond to this, but maybe it's, it's a bit of a disappointment too, where I I would at times uh, wish for a uh, more in-depth commitment to certain crucial aspects of, of what we're trying to achieve. But maybe it's the nature of human beings.
1: Well, 70% is actually a pretty good number compared to industry averages. There's so many more, I think it's 66% of people are actively disengaged in their work. So, um, and I'm not sure where that number came from now, but if you can say that you've got a much higher ratio of people that are actively supporting the purpose of the brand, then I think you're in a, you're in a pretty good place. And of course, those numbers vary from country to country. But thank you for
2: saying that it makes me feel much better. Uh, (laughs) But I think another good sign is that we do influence people in terms of what we're trying to achieve. The number of people, you know, looking us up and knocking on our door to, you know, to get involved is just crazy from all over the world. In that sense, I think that there's a big crowd out there who's actually seeing what we're doing, who wants to be part of it, which is extremely flattering, I would say.
1: One of the favorite sort of things about your range, sort of uh, utility nature of it. So like you said, if you're a, a adapt your rig to service your particular industry. I think that's yeah. a very smart design move. And. As you were saying it, it's really designed to get the specific contractor groups in the last mile of their delivery of services in a, in a particularly sort of built-up urban environment. Has that been a success and if so, how?
2: I think it has been. We launched that pretty much uh, six months ago. We showed it the first time maybe eight months ago at ACMA and we've started to l- deliver those bikes in the, just you know the past 60 days. I think it's for anyone who's used them because what we're trying to enhance in that sense is power, efficiency and range. So, Everything is a bit more powerful in terms of battery sizing and, and motor sizing and so forth, promoting the need for these different contractors and, and, and whoever they are. And attention is amazing. I think that this is potentially one of the product segments on our side that will grow the fastest going forward because it does solve a lot of problems. So. Aside from the lawmaking and le- legislation I was talking to bef- about before, one of the big issues with being a you know a contractor or a, a service guy, wherever it might be, is they spend half their day on finding a parking place for the truck. And once they found something, it's actually in an I- illegal place so they end up you know with parking tickets. So I think that the mindset of realizing that, hey, I've got a super quick, efficient, agile vessel here, which means that I'll get to the point of action much faster and I get rid of those parking issues is something that is being realized at a pretty high pace. So, um, this Mass- is definitely something that will move faster and faster.
1: I think we all is- you know the one one. that when you arrive on two we'll- bills, you, you arrive with a, a smile on your face just because that's, of the, uh, that's, the experience. That's,
2: that's the next upside or maybe the, the main reason for everything <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. so i have a friend um working in new haven on the sort of urban street environments and i was talking to him about streets to be more cycle free yeah. um, with the expansion of the cycling path programs and he was explaining to me the kind of resistance that he's getting from other constituents in the community namely you know people that expect a car park outside of their house that was number one so so this sort of cultural expectation that and here's my car park and do not separate those two so he was explaining all of the resistance that he's getting about changing some of the the allocation of 100% of all the road space to cars and, and how culturally we sort of predisposed to, to do everything around the car and how that's costing us a lot in terms of our evolution. What, what do you think about that?
2: Attitudes is one of the main, I'm a bit surprised actually, speaking about what's going on in Europe now and also in California, You know, when it comes to this electric highway, we did a project together with Polestar, which is a, a Swedish Chinese, an extension of Volvo, but electric car maker combo vehicle basically a car with with one hour bikes at the back of the car and supporting the, the initiative comes from politicians which is basically making these investments in the electric highway in this case in california or banning cars from the city whether that be parishes or elsewhere but in this case realizing that that what the electric highway in california means is that anyone is allowed to take the car to get you know to a town along the coast but you need to park your car along the highway there's no chance of taking a, car all the way into town so what happens then Well, you can take a public transport you know potentially a bus the car park along the highway to get into town and do your errands whether it's doing this and this and this and this and that and then you need to get back again but if you have five errands and need to carry six bags it's going to be kind of problematic getting on that bus and getting the stuff with you so in that sense we made this product which is now live uh, I think we start delivering the, the bikes and the, the stands for to, to carry the bikes at the back of the car in a month and a half, maybe. This is not going to kick in before this electric highway is up and running, but it shows tangibly and for real that the combination, there's this concept of chain mobility that has been discussed theoretically, which is now happening in a way. So bring your car with the back at the back. at the back of your car, roll it off as you get to the parking lot, get into town, do your errands, get back again. So that's an example of lubricating the challenge of people's expectations of always being able to combine the idea of my house and my car to some extent.
0: I love that. So When they introduced the London congestion charge, there was absolute uproar. White van man couldn't get into the city and they started quite conservatively, I think, with A, the charge and B, what they were letting into the city, but it's getting, they're squeezing it and squeezing it and squeezing it. What a yeah. fabulous invention to be able to park on the outskirts, and if you yeah. need to go into the city, yeah, yeah, yeah. jump on it. And also, yeah. you know, you are pulling along the Neanderthals with you because yeah. where it hurts people most is the wallet, and that's how you're yeah. gonna, you know, change some people's minds. Is yeah. when they're filling up with gas at the moment, people are getting very upset. You know, it's like yeah. look for alternatives, and here's cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: and there's really interesting initiative in Paris, which kicks in in September, which is that that the, the Paris is full of, of Mopus and Vespas and you know, two wheel <laughs> motorcycles. And what happens is decided that, or legislated that, anything that is a combustion engine on two wheels needs to pay a parking ticket at 20 euros uh, on a daily basis.
0: That'll fix it?
2: <laughs> yeah, n- meaning that if you buy, uh, with financing, a take bike or from anyone who might be our competitor, which is electric, you're actually gonna, in three days, you've saved the monthly <laughs> cost of yeah. the parking tickets in Paris so Incredible. again beautiful beautiful yeah. initiatives to support the change from a political perspective because yeah. generally politicians seem to be way after and
0: yeah absolutely i've got a question for you you are a serial entrepreneur you know you've been extremely successful but what do you like to do to unwind and relax what do you do in your downtime is there any downtime for stefan no
2: i think that someone asked me what he missed the most and i think that when i conclude my life at any whenever that point might be i'd say that i missed resting i never rest
0: wow how much sleep do you get a night i'm a sleeper so
2: I normally sleep between six and a half and seven and a half hours so it's not that i'm up 24 hours but as soon as i'm up i'm like You're on go, to go, something go. and do i feel sorry for myself no i love what i'm doing so
0: you love what you do you'll never do a day's work in your life uh we got time for a couple more questions glenn have you got um, a couple more before i uh, <coughs> wrap it up and let stefan get on with his day
1: i was going to ask and this could be a bit sensitive for you stefan so, so... but um, I'm also monitoring the nautical businesses as in small boats and there's a lot of Swedish businesses that are doing really good work there too. Is there any kind of uh, interest from a CAKE perspective to head into other versions of electric mobility?
2: I think that the most recent visible thing that you you can trace online is a product done by a designer here at CAKE named Farno Yugansson and she did her master thesis at the uh, Umeå University for vehicle design and she did this all wheel drive solution for regenerative agriculture if you look at yanko design y a n k o design.com i think it is the name of that vehicle is kib it means in the the gotlandish language which is how we name all our different vessels. so kib is k i w b it's a four wheeler with a totally fresh perspective on how such a vehicle will port and contribute to and accelerate a much more sober perspective on agriculture and farming.
1: Notice that yeah. you won some other design awards recently. You must have a very strong design culture within your company. To-
2: I think that I've been working with, to me, what is design? Well, design is to promote an aspired perception among defined group of users. So I have a very cautious perspective on discussing design because to most people, design is a misconceived kind of concept. Design is about making ambitions and strategies come alive. There's nothing which is design. Or is not designed. There's only good and bad design. It's all about planning the process of giving something ended functionality. We never talk about design internally. Design is super crucial to us, which is, again, being able to plan every single detail, every little little bolt to make sure that it supports the intended uh, holistic perception of what we're sharing. So it's within our bones or spine. It's so easy if you kind of use the design concepts or a description or to what we're doing because then you're categorized into being something which is by the majority of people being considered as being designed or not. And uh, that's why we kind of try and stay away, we, uh, we deliberately stay away. But again, it's super deliberate what we do and, and being awarded with these allocates and design awards and so forth is extremely important to us because it's on one side for the team to be able to celebrate success. and. It's like graduation day, Uh, you present something and it's being saluted and appreciated by third party someone's, and it means a lot. And from a marketing perspective, instead of making stupid advertising saying that we're good or better or whatever, being able to have someone else uh, sharing the fact that we're at least something which is interesting, it has a much better, you know. It means
0: a lot more, doesn't it? It yeah. definitely means a lot more. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that your concept is that you didn't have to follow, like you said, any heritage, you know, yeah. as, a, as a brand new brand. This is what we're planning on doing. This is why we're doing it. You yeah. can build exactly what you want without having, I guess, the weight of, oh, but you you need it to look like this. It must look like this. You know, you've got to make it look sporty or, you know, you've been very free with your design to do as you please. Absolutely. Stefan, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you today. Glenn, I mean, it's been eye-opening and I don't know about you, but I am more excited than I was 50 minutes ago about getting my bottom on an electric bicycle, it has to happen. I want an electric motorbike. Yeah, yeah.
2: But tell me, guys, where are you based? Connecticut. So that's
0: yeah, yes. Yeah, so we're here in Connecticut, so the, the just the state up from New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're
2: opening up our Williamsburg showroom, uh, test center, and, and service center. So it's not too far away. So I'll make sure. Let's let's stay in contact, and we, we're going to have balance and trucks there as well. So. There will be tests, you know, riding opportunities in Connecticut as well. So
0: I love you. I love let's you. Let's make it happen. That's yeah. an absolute yes. Uh, Stefan, if people are as excited as Glenn and I and want to carry on the conversation with you, or they want to find out more about the range, the ethos behind your company, how can they find yeah. out more information about Cake?
2: Well, there is, of course, a website, which is ridecake.com. Else than you're always welcome to reach out. There are a few emails there and I'm transparently available on LinkedIn, good and bad. But I try to respond <laughs> to, as much as I can to to anyone who's, with you know, with the idea of whatever reason reaching out to me. So
1: Amazing. I do my best. I'm grateful for that because that's how we came to be here today. So Stefan, yeah. it's, it's great to meet you and thank you for your time and great work. Really excited about you and keep it up. Keep on keeping on. Thank you. And Thank
2: you for having me. Great conversation. I enjoyed uh, meeting the two of you and hope to see you on a bike, on a cake bike soon.
0: (laughs) It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Stefan, thank you for your time and being a part of The Curious Capitalist. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Curious Capitalist. If you would like to find out more about Conscious Capitalism or if you would like to join the local chapter, visit the website connecticut.consciouscapitalism.org. The Curious Capitalist is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode, subscribe to and share this podcast today. This podcast was created and produced by Red Rock Branding, redrockbranding.com.